This is a presentation of Redemption Bible Church. For more information, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org. Well, as I mentioned, this morning is a special family ministry Sunday here at Redemption. And this morning what I want to do is I want to share a couple of things with you. Uh, number one, I want to share with you that passage from Deuteronomy 6 that we read together during child dedications, showing the responsibility that, that we all share, every one of us here that we share in the formation of our children's faith. And then after we look at that passage in Deuteronomy 6, I want to share with you how we go about carrying that out here at Redemption and what we refer to as family ministry. And the way we define family ministry is our entire church family. Raise your hand if you're in this room. Okay, that's, that's you. So our entire church family, even those of you that don't ever raise your hand when I ask everyone to raise your hand, you're still included. Our entire church family caring for and ministering to the families in our church. And so that means if this is your church home, meaning if this is the place where you worship, and we are your church family, we are the people you worship with, then you are by its very nature part of our family ministry. And you play an active role in the lives of our children in the formation of their faith. And so if you haven't already, I want to invite you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the one we always get stuck on, uh, Numbers that we jump past to, and then Deuteronomy where we know, okay, Joshua's coming, we're going to be okay, we can do this. Deuteronomy, though, takes place right at the end of Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And, it, and it's following the, the exodus from Egypt, right? The great escape of the Bible, of God liberating his people and, and freeing them from over 400 years of enslavement in Egypt. And the book of Deuteronomy essentially consists of three sermons that Moses preached before uh, God's people crossed the Jordan River and into the promised land of Canaan. And, and these sermons, they are a reminder Right? They're a reminder of who God is, of what it is that God has done, and what it is that God had promised to do. And that's really what we see here in this passage in chapter 6 that we read earlier this morning. What we're going to see, two things. We're going to see a reminder of who God is, and then we're going to see a series of four responses to who God is. And so first, look with me at verse 4 where we see a reminder of who God is. And here, Moses, he says, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Such a powerful little short statement. And this verse, along with the entirety of this passage, is part of a, a prayer that was known as, as the Shema, which comes from the Hebrew word for here from the beginning of this passage. A prayer that was prayed every morning and evening that served as both a reminder and a response. Right? It was a confession of who God is and a commitment to God as well. And he begins by calling God's people, right? Oh, Israel. And he calls them to listen, right? Listen up real quick, he says. And he wants them to hear this reminder, this confession of who God is. And he begins saying, the Lord our God. And I think we might be quick to sometimes just jump past that. But you know me, we're not jumping past that, are we? No, I want us to see the beauty of the Lord our God. Your translation may say the Lord is our God. And what we have here is a very personal and relational declaration declaring that Yahweh, right, the Lord, to be our Elohim, our God. Elohim is, this, is the general name of God that emphasizes God's power and might, the Dutch theologian Herman Bavnik writes. It's the name that we see in the very first 
verse of Scripture as God, as Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And our God, Elohim, our Creator, He is known to us, He is known to His people by His personal name, the name of Yahweh, the Lord. The name that God used in Exodus 3, wasn't it? The name that God used in Exodus 3 when Moses encountered God at the burning bush. And there it says in Exodus 3 verse 7, it says, The Lord said to Moses, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to make them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing in milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and a whole bunch of other people. That is what it says, the Lord. That is what Yahweh said to Moses. And he's letting him know that Yahweh, he is not some distant God who's unaware of the suffering of his people. No, he is, he is near. He, is, he, he hears the cry. He sees their suffering. And he called Moses to a pretty big task, didn't he? He called Moses to return to Egypt that he had previously left and to bring his people out of Egypt. And Moses, Moses wasn't entirely on board with this just yet. And so he says to God, like, who should I say sent me? Because, uh, like, if I tell people that a burning bush sent me, that's probably going to go over kind of weird. So I said, who should I, who should I say sent me? Like, what is the name of, of who sent me? And God, he responds in verse 15 saying, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the Elohim of Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. And so who is our God? Yahweh. The Lord is our God. Who, who, who is not only transcendent, high above and lifted up over all, but who is eminent, who is intimate, who is near with all. But not only that, this confession, it goes on to say that Yahweh, the Lord, is our God. And our God, it says, is one. He is the only one. He, he is not the first among many. He is the one and only. And so after crossing the Red Sea, Moses, he, he sang a song in Exodus 15. And I'm going to read it to you. I'm not going to sing it. I love you too much to sing it. Moses asked, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Hear me. This was not a question that Moses was seeking an answer to. He knew the answer. And the answer to this question is that there is no one who is like our God. That is why God declared to Moses atop Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And because of that, he says, you shall have no other gods before me. Because of that, you shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers of the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
everything God does flows out of who God is. Does that make sense? God only does who God is. God loves because God is love. God's love is an outpouring of his very being. It is not just what he does, it is who he is. And it was his love for us, his love for the world, John says in chapter 3, that led to an even greater liberation, sending not just his prophet but his son to rescue us from an even greater slavery, the slavery to sin. And God, it says he displayed his love for the world to see, displaying his love on the cross as Jesus, the Lamb of God who came to take the sins of the world, did just that. He took on our sin as he was nailed to the cross, dying our death, forgiving our sin, and giving us life. And yet, can we be honest that it's easy to forget that by about the time we hit brunch on a Sunday morning, isn't it? We're quick to forget. It's easy to sense God's presence and to feel his love and to hear his voice when everything's going great, isn't it? You're like, oh my God's everywhere. God's, God's moving, right? We feel it. But it's easy to forget when we feel God's left us, when we feel God might even no longer love us in those moments of desolation. And that's why we, as God's people, we need this reminder of who God is, of God's love, of his presence, confessing who God is. By intentionally returning to God. Practicing the, the presence of God, as Brother Lawrence wrote. And that's one of the things that, um, that a few folks are, are going to be doing with me. Over, over these next two months, uh, those that are participating in our spiritual formation journey here at Redemption that we're calling The Way, we're going to be practicing um, a spiritual discipline known as the X-Men. Not the X-Men, but the X-Men. Ending each day with a contemplative prayer of self-examination, which is essentially reflecting on all that has taken place over the day, and then acknowledging God's love and his presence throughout that day, throughout every day. And uh, I don't want to just limit that to the few that are in the way. If this is something you're interested, I'm going to post that on the, uh, a write-up on the sermon notes so that you can download and join in with us. But we need this reminder. We need this reminder that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Yahweh, he is our God. Amen? He's got a name. He's got a name and he's invited us to know him by name. That's like when we talk about meeting someone new to you, it's all about the name, isn't it? If you don't know their name, if you've forgotten their name for the hundredth time, ask them their name again. There's something intimate about knowing each other's name, and he's invited us to know him intimately, to, invite, to know him personally by name, just as he knows each and every one of us here by name. He knew you by name before the creation of the earth. He knew you by name before your mother or your father knew you by name. And this confession, it leads to commitment. Right, this reminder of who God is, it leads us to respond to who God is. And that's what I want us to see next. We're going to see four responses to who God is. And the first one is this. Quite simply, love God. Love God. And to show you how unoriginal my sermon notes are this week, look down here with me at verse 5. You shall what? Say it with me. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That was a good one, didn't it? You want to do that one again? I don't want us to forget that. Let's do that one again. And it's not that you did bad. You did great. 
Verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And we respond to God's love by loving God, our God, the only God, as the sole object of our worship. Right? Having no other gods before him, loving no other gods other than him. And he gives us three ways that we love God. The first is to love God with all our heart. Not 10%, not 99%, but all of our hearts. And heart uh, in, in Hebrew represents more than just the place of our emotions. Uh, think of more of the Hebrew definition than the Hallmark definition. Um, it's more in line of what we think of maybe even as our mind or our intellect, the place of our thoughts and decisions. And, and what we see here, even as we saw last week in 1 Corinthians 13, is that love, it is not simply an emotion that we feel. No, it is a decision that we make and an action that we take. Right? Loving God the way he loves us, reflecting God's love for us. God, who, who did not simply state his love, no, Scripture says that he showed us his love and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, didn't he? That's the good news of the gospel. God didn't do it because of anything we've done. He did it in spite of everything we've done. We should love the God, our God with all our heart. Second, we should love him with all our soul, with all our entirety of our life, the entirety of our very being. And third, we should love him with all our might, not simply our strength. For those of you that are hitting the gym, you CrossFit fans, no. Um, more, a more literal translation of this would be, um, and here's why you'll see why we don't put this in because it's kind of confusing, loving the Lord our God with all our very muchness. That's a more literal translation here. Uh, it, it, think of it as less of a noun and more of an adverb describing the, the extent of love, the totality of, of our love. And yet what I think happens is that far too often, rather than loving God with our everything, we only love God with our extra, don't we? We give God our, our leftovers. You know, after all of our other commitments have been met, we love God with whatever might be left, if there's even anything left at all. And so we need this reminder, this call to love the Lord our God with all our heart, uh, with total commitment, with all our soul, right, the entirety of our being, and with all our might, loving God without limits, without any boundaries or restrictions. And so first, we love God. And the second response is this. It's to, to treasure God's word, right? To treasure God's word, the words in this book. Look here with me at verse 6. He says, in these words that I command you today, not just this passage, but the entirety of, of the sermon, the entirety of God's word, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This is, this is about so much more than just familiarizing yourself with all God has spoken. This is about so much more than memorizing the words that you've heard. Because, uh, you know, um, even Satan has the entirety of God's word memorized. Satan has no need for a Bible. He's got it all up here. And uh, he, he probably knows, not probably, he knows Scripture far better than any one of us. He has it memorized. He's familiar with it. Didn't do him a lot of good, did it? Now, God's word is to be written on our hearts. It is to be etched into our entire being, impacting our every thought, our every emotion, our every action, living in faithful obedience to his every word, not just those we like, not just those we agree with, but his every word. And so we treasure God's word. 
We, we love his word. We want, to, we want to obey his word because it, it is through his word, through the, through the written word of scripture and the living word of his son that we come to know God, isn't it? To know who God is, to know what it is that he has done for us and to know what it is he has promised to still fulfill in and through Jesus Christ. We know who God is through his word and we know who we are in relation to God through his word as his treasured people a people for his own possession, Peter says. And so we love God. We treasure God's word. And number three, what do you do when you have a treasure? Don't go bury it in your backyard. No, share it, right? So let's share God's word. That's number three, share God's word. Look at verse seven. He says, you shall teach them. You shall teach God's word diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. What we see here is that God gave the primary responsibility for laying the foundation of our children's faith and sharing God's word with our children to their parents, right? Simply put, the way we describe that here is that parents are primary, right? It is our responsibility as parents to teach our children and to teach them diligently, right, with with great care, pointing our kids to Jesus and praying that the Holy Spirit would draw them to Jesus, and when we talk about this, I think two questions typically come up. And the first question is, but I don't know how. And like, that is a very legitimate question. If you grew up in a house where no one ever pointed you to Jesus, no one ever took the time to share God's word with you, you how would you know how? Well, the first step is to go back to number two and to treasure God's word, isn't it? Because you can never share from that which you have not received. And so it starts by by treasuring God's word yourself, communing with God, spending time with God, listening to him speak through his word, and speaking to God through prayer. It starts with that own personal relationship. And it is from that that we then feed into our children. And thankfully, um, unlike the parents that Moses was speaking to 3,500 years ago, like they didn't have YouTube. They didn't have an iPhone. They didn't have a book because they didn't have the printing press. They had, they had nothing. They had to store it all up here. And so, like, we are blessed in some sense. Can we just, like, be honest? This little device in our back pocket, it's both blessing and curse, isn't it? Amen. There we got the amens today. We'll save the curses for a whole separate Sunday. Right now, let's just talk about the blessing. And that is that um, we have nearly unlimited resources, don't we? Books, videos, curriculum, all at our fingertips, all in the palm of our hands, in our very back pocket. And and sometimes that can even be then overwhelming. Like we went from, I don't know anything, to now there's too much. And so now what do I do? And so like that's where we come in and we want to help. And so later on, um, as I explain family ministry, I'm going to share some resources that we as a church family are making available to equip you to teach your kids and to talk with them. But the second question I think we get a lot and we think to ourselves, is, but, but I don't know when. And not only not know how, but I don't know when. And like Pastor Ash, I don't know, but like if you were to look at my phone, uh, like if you look at the calendar, our schedule is packed. We got work, we got school, we got soccer, we got band, and then we got 14 other things that I'm not even sure about because we forgot to put them in the calendar. It's like how, how am I ever going to add this to it? And, and a phrase that we've talked about a lot here is that we pursue what we prioritize, don't we? Right? We pursue 
what we prioritize. And um, I can't say this with utmost certainty, but I'm pretty sure we don't possess the ability to create time. Pretty sure. If you've done that, that's why I was like, I'm pretty sure. If you have, come see me because that's a whole other conversation. Um, we can't turn a 24-hour day into 28 hours, can we? And if we did, we'd want four more hours of sleep and Netflix probably, but, um, but we can't do that. And so what that then means is that we may need to remove our pursuit of other things in order to prioritize our children's faith and help them pursue Jesus. And that means redeeming the time, as limited as it may be, that we do have. And, and look at what he says here. He says, so spend that time, redeem that time, teaching your children when? When you sit in the house. When you are together as, as a family at the, at the dinner table. Family dinners is something we should be making a more regular rhythm in our lives. We don't sit at the table together. We all stand. We're weird like that. Uh, Jill sits, the boys and I stand, and we kind of like walk around and graze throughout the kitchen. But we're kind of in the same room together. So maybe, most, like, when you walk around the kitchen together eating dinner, when you sit on the couch together, when you walk by the way, and if he was riding today, he might say, when you drive by the way to school, when you're stuck at that train stop with the triple train, right, or that 10-minute phantom train that I talked about the other day that did not exist, I was on my way to pick up Sean, so he wasn't with me, but that's kind of, you get the idea. When we drive to school, when we drive to the store, let's redeem that time together. Praying with our children, praying with them at night when they lie down, praying with them in the morning when they rise. Because it is our responsibility to share God's word with them. And then number four, we don't just share God's word. We need to show them how to live out God's word, don't we? Live out God's word. That's number four. Look at verses eight and nine here. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And uh, we, we've talked about this before. Um, but one of the problems with what some will call a supposed uh, plain and clear reading of, of Scripture, especially an English translation of Scripture, is that uh, one that by default takes everything uh, literally as written, is that while you may understand what the text says, oftentimes you're going to miss what the text means. Does that make sense? Uh, you may understand what the text says, but miss what the text means. And many have taken this verse literally wearing what are known as phylacteries, these small little boxes. You may have seen a picture uh, wearing them on their forehead and on their arms, and they would wear them during the reciting of the Shema in the morning and the evening. Uh, not only that, hanging what are known as uh, mezuzahs, the Hebrew word for doorpost, at the entrance uh, of their homes and touching them and kissing them as they would enter and, and Well, that part worked. That's not what God us to bind the word on our hands, not literally, but by living out his word, by displaying his love in our world. And God, what he wants us to do is he wants us to view everything in our world through the lens of scripture as though we have held it up to our eyes and that is what we are looking out through. But not only are we living out God's word privately, our individual lives, we're living our lives publicly before others. We're doing it in our homes with our families, and we're doing it in our world with others as we pass through our gates out into the world. And I can think of no greater way 
to show our children how to live out God's word than by living it out ourselves in front of them for them to see, by modeling it for them, which goes back to number two in treasuring God's word ourselves. That's what I think we see here in this reminder and in this response. And now I want to I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. Uh, some have asked, you know, about members meetings here at Redemption. I'm not a big fan of meetings. Uh, 17 years at Motorola will like, whoa, meeting. If you could have done it with like a one-sentence email that doesn't allow for reply all, that'd be really great instead. And uh, I guess I, I don't know why I would share something with members that I wouldn't want to share with everything in our church family. And so the, the last part of this, if it feels a little members meeting-like, it's because it's a little members meeting-like. Uh, but that's what I want to do about twice a year in, in Family Ministry Sunday. And so I want to show you how we live this out, how we carry this out and apply this here at Redemption in what we call family ministry. And so hear me, this is, you might be thinking, okay, I'm going to tune out, I'm going to go get some coffee. Please don't. <laughs> We couldn't have planned that better if we tried, Dave. So many thoughts in my head that my filter is not allowing me to say. Here's the deal. Regardless if you have children of your own or not, regardless if they are still living at home or not, everyone in our church family plays a vital role in caring for and ministering to the families in our church. Does that make sense? Everyone. Can we do one of these again? Can you raise your hand if you're in the room? And then I'll raise my hand for David, who's not in the room. We all play a role in this. And so I want to share what we call six key aspects of family ministry here at Redemption. And here's number one. We incorporate our kids. Right? We incorporate our kids. And this has two really underlying desires to it. The first is that rather than our kids being treated as a separate church within the church, we want them to grow up knowing what it means to be active members of the body, and not only that, but that they are valued members of the body. Amen? Valued members of our family. But the second desire is, is rather than graduating from high school and leaving church behind, as so many do, we want them to enter that next stage of life, whatever that may be, wanting to be an active member of a church wherever that may be. And so that's why, that's why our kids are here worshiping with us. And then they're sent down at the time of the sermon. That's why our kids are, are serving with us. And like my boys, for example. My boys are about to finish fifth grade. And that means their time downstairs in Redemption Kids is coming to an end. And so they're going to start serving on Sunday morning, just like any other active member of our church family. Ethan's already told Pastor Robin he wants to teach in Redemption Kids. So he wants to go back down once a month. Surprise, surprise. And he's going to do that. And he's going to say, like, Dad, can I preach next Sunday? <laughs> Sean says he just wants to lead the games. Great. We also, though, we created the pantry with kids in mind. The pantry is this monthly ministry we started earlier this year to serve uh, not just with kids in mind, not just the kids that are benefiting from the, the diapers and the supplies that we handed out to like 50-some families yesterday morning, but with our kids in mind, our kids serving alongside us on Saturday morning. Like we had about 10 kids there with us yesterday morning. And they did a vital role. They were the ones running up and down the stairs because their knees at 10 years old can handle that. And not even that, like little Bennett, little Bennett was carrying out uh, the little goodie bags to the kids out in the cars. Like, I'm telling you, we'll find a job for everybody, serving together, because we want to incorporate our kids. Number two is that parents are primary. Right? I mentioned this one earlier. Parents are primary. And I think nobody will have a greater impact on the formation of your children's faith than parents. Right? Not a Sunday school teacher, not a youth pastor. They are important 
But parents, we are most important because we spend the most time with our kids. They, we might not always think this once they hit like 13, um, but they look up to us. They're watching us, everything that we're doing. They're learning from us, from everything that we do. We are discipling our children every moment of every day, whether you realize it or not. And so think of it this way. Like, uh, my boys love the bears and the bulls. They do. And not because the bears are great, because they're not. The bulls were good this year, um, but we had some rough years. No, the reason they love them is because they see me watching them. And they see me getting excited about the game. And so they want to do that with me. They want to watch the game with me. They get excited like me. And, and so the things that we pursue, the things that we prioritize, guess what? Our kids are learning and being formed by that. And so when we pursue and we prioritize Jesus, when we do that together as a church family, guess what? Our kids see that, don't they? And that is being formed in them each and every Sunday that we gather together. And I think we can all agree with this. Um, I think we want our kids to be way bigger fans of Jesus than Justin Fields, don't we? I'm good with my boys having a Bears banner on their wall, but I want Jesus in their heart. Amen? And so it is our responsibility as parents to take that initiative in the formation of our children's faith, to teach them God's word and to teach it diligently and talk to them about God to point them to Jesus, to help them know Jesus personally and grow to be like him as lifelong followers of Jesus. And so we incorporate our kids. Parents are primary. And number three, that means that as a church, it is our responsibility to come alongside and partner with parents, isn't it? We want to partner with parents. As a, as a church family, we play a critical role in, in equipping and supporting the parents. And so that means what we as a church do it should never be done separate from you, but always in partnership with you, right? It should always be done in partnership with you. And that's, that's true of our kids downstairs on Sunday morning in Redemption Kids. And so, like, if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't have a clue what goes on downstairs. Um, like, who has no idea what's going on downstairs right now, right? It's okay. The rest of you probably don't either. That's okay. I'm here to tell you what's going on downstairs. So we have four age groups downstairs, minis, littles, bigs, and elementary, and right now, we, don't, we have them only in two rooms instead of four. We're short on, on people serving. We could use a few more people serving because we would like to have, uh, get back to a third room in the fall. And so if you're interested, you can sign up to serve on the app today. But we got four age groups in two rooms. And, and each week, they're learning, they're learning a lesson. They get some form of a sermon, and they're, they're going through the Bible, and they're going through the Bible chronologically over a three-year cycle using curriculum from the Gospel Project. And so right now, um, if, you, if you were to be down there, the exiles have, have returned from Babylon. Okay, they've, they've gotten back, and last week they were working on the rebuild project, right? Last week they were in Nehemiah, uh, building the wall, building the temple. This morning, they're hearing from uh, the minor prophet Malachi. Is it Malachi? No, yeah, Malachi. I had to look. Um, they're learning about Malachi. And guess what? That's the same minor prophet we looked at last fall in our series Renew, wasn't it? They're learning the same stuff we are. They've got a big idea they're learning. They've got a big picture question they're answering. They have verses they're memorizing. Each week, uh, the kids, they go around sharing prayer requests. And I tell you what, that might be the most fun time in this building on a Sunday morning is listening to little kids share prayer requests. 
But just like up here, we have a phrase, don't just say you'll pray, stop and pray. They don't just take prayer requests. They then they stop and they pray over each and every prayer request that was given. And just like us, in, in meeting someone new to you, they do the same downstairs. Right? They go around and they introduce themselves uh, each Sunday so that every kid feels welcomed and, and known by name by those that are there. And so if you're here this morning and you're a parent and you're like, you'd like to go experience that, especially the prayer request part, uh, find Pastor Rob and he'll get you hooked up and get you down there so you can see what actually takes place down there. But I'm also excited to share three new ways we're going to partner with parents this fall in family ministry. And the first is Redemption Youth. Uh, Tim, our worship leader who's on vacation this week, uh, they just moved into their new house. Can we give them a round? They just bought a house. That's kind of cool, right? Now, Rob, the key is we're going to ask him if he heard us do that to see if he watched. No, we're not doing that. Tim's going to be leading a weekly discussion with our middle and high school students uh, on Wednesday evenings, and the focus is going to be the foundation of their faith and laying that foundation so that they can build upon that foundation as lifelong followers of Jesus. And so we begin, begin this fall by simply talking about the Bible, a really novel idea, isn't it? Like, we are so creative with our names of things. Let's just talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about what it is and how to read it. Seeing how, first and foremost, this is a book about God, isn't it? This isn't a self-help book. This is a book about God, about who God is, about what God has done and what God has promised to do. But what we also see is how we as God's people relate to God through this book. And so he's going to do that this fall by taking them through the covenants, to the establishment of the new covenant. But that's not the only thing. And the second thing we're going to do to help equip um, fathers, grandfathers, hope to be fathers, or just men who play a role in some kid's life, especially fathers of sons, is this fall, we're going to be going through a book called The Intentional Father by a pastor named John Tyson. And it, uh, I'm just going to read you what he wrote on the back here. It says, dads today are often overwhelmed with both the responsibility and the complexity of raising sons in this challenging culture. And all God's dad said, amen. At the same time, self-initiation is killing our young men. And when he writes that, he means that almost literally. That if we don't have some sort of initiation passage for our, our boys to become men, uh, they're going to find those things themselves. And so without strong mentors, boys are walking alone in a wilderness of conflicting messages about who they should be as men. And so it's no wonder that our sons are confused about what the world expects from them and what they should expect of themselves. And so we're going to go through this together this fall. But also, we have something in mind to help equip mothers with, you know, the day-to-day -day challenges of parenting and raising kids at any stage of any age. And so we're looking to offer a weekly course beginning this fall uh, called Entrusted with a Child's Heart. And um, Jen Talion is going to host a meetup in June that you can sign up for uh, uh, today during the announcements. For those that are interested in just learning more, in June it is just an informational session if you would like to hear more about what this is. And really, what it, it's all about seeing what God has to say about what it means to be a family, about how to raise our children to lay that foundation of the faith form and point them to Jesus. But any partnership requires constant communication, doesn't it? Um, I'm not going to pretend that you caught everything that I've said today. That's why we're going to do this over and over. So about twice a year, we want to continue hosting what we uh, have been calling Dinner and Discussion. Again, with our really clever naming conventions. Guess what we do at dinner discussion? We have dinner. We didn't in January because of COVID, but we will next time. And then we have a discussion. 
And so we did this uh, last September as we shared our vision for family ministry. We did this in January as we kind of just really wanted to see, parents, how you're doing and how we can help. And I think we had a great discussion about that. And so we're going to do that again in August as the summer kind of begins to wind down and we gear up for the fall. We're going to do another dinner and discussion in August. But family ministry doesn't just involve parents. It involves grandparents. It involves aunts and uncles. It involves those who hope to one day be parents. It involves anyone who plays a role in a child's life or in a parent's life. And so what we're hoping to do is about twice a year having a Sunday morning dedicated to family ministry like we've done today, like we did last October, as a reminder of how we are partnering together as one church family to love and care for and ministering to the families of our church and doing that together. That's number three. Number four is one of the specific ways that we go about partnering with parents is what we call continuing the conversation. And the goal is really to equip parents to continue the conversation at home throughout the week that we began here on Sunday morning. And so we began this last fall with what we call uh, the continuing the conversation card, which looks like this. And so when you check your kids in up here, when you pick up your kids, be sure to grab one of these on your way out. Because on here, what you're going to see, you're going to see the, the story that they learned, right? Malachi the prophet. Uh, you're going to see the passage that they're in, the book of Malachi, surprise. Uh, there's a big idea. So the big idea this morning is that Malachi called God's people to repent to prepare for the Messiah. Well, that was pretty good. They've got a, a big question that they're answering, and they've got a Bible verse that they're memorizing. But then also you'll notice there's a QR code down here at the bottom of this. And if you scan that, that'll take you to a lesson page that has additional uh, age-appropriate questions for the little kids and the big kids. And the best part about those questions is that it gives us the answers to the questions. You don't have to tell your kids that, but they're there for you. We just want to equip the parents. Uh, but not only that, there's videos. Videos that you can watch as you uh, sit down on your couch. Don't, maybe don't watch them as you drive by the way. Maybe then just ask them the questions from the thing that you can do as you lie down in the evening, that you can watch as you rise in the morning. And then this year, we added a new thing, didn't we? We added the New City Catechism. Uh, and again, catechism is just a way of providing clear and concise answers to questions of faith we all have. And, and while we intended this for me to something that the kids were doing, we thought, let's bring it upstairs too. And so it's something that we're all doing. And so each week we do it, but we do the catechism question together before the sermon. And so downstairs, the kids, they're, they're reviewing last week's question, question 15, and they're getting introduced to this week's question, question 16. And then you as parents, you can continue that conversation at home with the New City Catechism app on your phone, memorizing the answers to the question, learning the passage that goes to support that answer, reading the, the commentary that goes to support that, and then closing in prayer together. And one more thing, if you're like really ready to cut loose as a family, there's a song. And it's one of those kinds of songs that once you hear it, you can't get it out of your head because it's like one lyric over and over and over. It's kind of like you're a good, good father, good, good father, good, good father, good, good father. By the end of that song, what do we know about God? He is a what? Yeah, it works, doesn't it? So there's songs that go with each of those so we can get them ingrained into us. And then starting Tuesday, uh, Pastor Rob and Tim, they're going to be sending out a weekly uh, update email to parents. And it's going to have a number of things. It's going to have any updates that we might have. Uh, it's going to have a link to the kids' lesson page in case you didn't get the continuing the conversation card. Uh, it's going to have uh, this week's catechism question that we're working on, any upcoming family ministry events. And then this fall, uh, Tim's going to include uh, information for you to continue the conversation that we began on Wednesday night with the youth. Number five, 
Number five is celebrate the milestones, right? We want to celebrate those major milestones that our kids and our families are passing through. And that, we did that this morning, right, with, with child dedications. And that continues on through, through baptisms. It, it includes the, the graduating from room to room down in kids and, and, and through, through youth graduating from, from elementary, from middle school, and from high school. And we're going to celebrate some of those milestones in just a couple of weeks on June 12th after the school year ends. And so on June 12th, we're going to invite parents of children who have, who have made one of those major milestone movements to come up front. And we're going to give the parent a Bible or a theological book, something that they can give to their kid, uh, their child, and walk through with them. And so excited to do that in a couple of weeks. And then number six. Number six is to create an environment. To create an environment that is safe, safe physically. And a couple ways we go about doing this is like this should be obvious, but we conduct a background check on, on everyone that serves in kids, that serves in youth. We also, for those of you that might not know, uh, we lock the, 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 the front entrance and the main entrance uh, during the service because we have like 14 entrances to the building and that's not super secure. And so we keep the, the office entrance over here open that we can still use, that Bethel uses when they meet upstairs. Uh, but then we also have a security guy. The, the utility person serving uh, that Sunday is, is serving as our security for the day, watching those entrances, keeping an eye on our kids and making sure that they stay safe because we want to create a safe environment. But we also want to create uh, an environment that is safe spiritually for them, don't we? Where our kids can explore their faith, where they can ask questions, a safe place to ask questions about their identity, about who they are, about their belonging and how it is they can fit in, and about their purpose and how they can go about making a difference in the world as followers of Jesus. We want an environment that is safe. We want an environment that is formative, that where their faith can grow, loving God with all their heart and soul and mind as lifelong followers of Jesus. An environment that is comfortable, that is a place that they want to be. Uh, that was part of, like, Pastor Rob spent a bunch of time in the pandemic just, like, ripping out carpet, putting in new carpet, fresh coats of paint that is a fun, comfortable place where they want to be, where they want to invite their friends to join them, which leads to the fourth part, creating an environment that is, of course, fun. Right? They, we got to be having fun. Just like they're dancing in the aisles in this morning. They're already having fun before they even got downstairs. And so we want to invite you to come have fun with us, all of you. And so one of the ways we're going to do this, Wednesday night, we're going to get play uh, kickball in the backyard. That's going to be our May family ministry event. It's all about having fun together. It's not just for parents. It's not just for kids. It's for anybody in this room. But the reason we put that under the header of family ministry is it's us coming together, and our focus is on loving and caring for the kids, isn't it? Do that, but also uh, we talked about initiative, and so let's take the initiative in having fun. Things like uh, uh, Josh, he's going to have a meetup for dads this Saturday at a park in Rolling Meadows. If you look at the, the meetups page on the app, you'll see, and it's just dads and kids getting together to have fun this Saturday morning. And so set up some meetups to just have fun throughout the summer. Uh, join our summer Sundays in the front yard that we're going to have once a month after service this summer like we did last year. And... So again, thanks for sitting here with me through this, because I think it's important for us to hear, and I really didn't want to bring you back on a Wednesday night to tell you this. We might as well just do it while we're all here. Amen? Okay, maybe you all like meetings like me. <laughs> but here's what this means. Here's what this means for you. Here's what this means for us. If you call redemption your church home, if this is the place you worship, and if we are your church family, we are the people you worship with, you are by its very nature a part of our family ministry, a vital and important role in loving and ministering to and caring for the families and especially the children of, their church, of our church and the formation of their faith. Helping them be lifelong followers of Jesus. And that's a significant responsibility. 
Like, I feel that every day as a parent. But it's a responsibility that we bear together. Bearing one another's burdens, we saw in Galatians a couple weeks ago. We bear together as parents. We bear together as a church family because that's exactly who we are. If you want to know who we are, here's what my prayer for us is, is that we would be a family who faithfully follows the way of Jesus and doing that together. Amen? And I want to invite you to be a part of that. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For more audio content and information about redemption, please visit our website at redemptionbc.org.